This podcast supports the Innocent Lives Foundation, ILF. The ILF is made up of security professionals whose mission is to identify anonymous child predators and help bring them to justice. The professionals are volunteers who are masters in everything from open source intelligence to exploit writing, who donate their time to identify child predators and hand cases over to law enforcement agencies. With their non-vigilante stands, they do everything in their power to create airtight cases for law enforcement agencies. You can join this fight by donating to the ILF to directly fund this powerful mission. To learn more about the ILF and to donate, please visit their website at www.innocentlivesfoundation.org. Thank you. Welcome to episode 33 of the Beat Picture Podcast. My name is Bidemir Logunde. This podcast presents lessons we can learn from fascinating cybersecurity topics, news, events, and incidents, and how those lessons can influence our decisions, thoughts, opinions, and lifestyle choices, as well as how everything fits together to form the bigger picture of online security in this digital age. Today on the show, I'll be talking about what makes Snapchat accounts get compromised easily the correlation between organizations moving their infrastructure to the cloud and the increase in data breaches. Um, also new details about the 2020 Global Cybersecurity Index that was recently released by the United Nations International Telecommunications Union. And finally, how a traffic stop in South Carolina in the United States ended in a car crash in Georgia, which then led to unexpected cybercrime-related discoveries. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So to start with, um, on episodes 5, 11, and 18, I covered incidents where young women's Snapchat accounts were compromised and their intimate pictures saved on those Snapchat accounts were stolen for either blackmail or revenge porn. Um, I mentioned how in episode 5, revenge porn seems to have increased significantly during the pandemic. Maybe because a lot of people were um, home and they couldn't really meet each other or hang out. And so many people were suspicious of what their partners were doing. And then they were hacking into their partner's Snapchat accounts, maybe because they had their passwords. And then using the, the intimate pictures to, um, I guess, blackmail them or make them, I guess, cause pain to them for whatever twisted reason. For some reason, it was during the pandemic that a lot of revenge porn um, actually increased. So what makes Snapchat accounts particularly easy to compromise for many users? So this is what I'll be talking about in this segment of the episode. And I'll also talk about how to secure Snapchat accounts against such hacks and attacks. So the first thing is weak passwords. Obviously, a weak and guessable password is like wearing beachwear during a snowstorm. Many people tend to use the same password for multiple social media accounts, their online banking, their emails, their whatever online service, they, like deliveries, Uber accounts, and so on. So all of this just makes it easy for threat actors to, to hack into one account. And then, of course, they can just easily guess your password for your other accounts and maybe add one to the end or two or one to three or thereabouts. So having unique passwords for each account will significantly reduce the risk of account compromise 
And most people use Snapchat, Instagram, and so on to save their pictures because some of these social media apps have good filters. So it's better to use the cameras on those apps to take pictures. And then, of course, the app itself will save a copy. Then it will save another copy on your gallery, on your phone, or however the case may be. And then, of course, again, people take intimate pictures on these social media apps. They send to their significant other, or they just keep it on their phone just for them, for them, for their eyes only, not necessarily to send to anybody. Maybe they're tracking their weight loss progress. And of course, they want to be able to compare before and after pictures. So it's this kind of pictures that hackers would go after because they know that people do these things where they, they take these kinds of pictures and then save on their Snapchat accounts. But because their Snapchat is just a guessable password, or um, for example, in episode 11, I talked about how a bunch of guys guessed the the their female classmates' security questions and answers. So they don't know the passwords. They couldn't guess the password. But they now did something where they pretended as if they wanted to reset the password. And the question was maybe, where did you go to high school? But because it was a small town, everybody knew where everybody went to high school. They put in the answer, and now they had access to these young ladies' Snapchat accounts. So that is another um, scenario where I g talked about recently. If you want to set your secret security questions and answers, provide a fake answer. Nobody has to know whether it's the right answer or not. You are the only one that knows that you are giving the wrong answer to the security question. So that even if someone guesses correctly because they know what high school you went to, that answer would be wrong because you gave the wrong answer to that security question. So it's just another layer of security. That way, you, even if someone is able to maybe crack something um, you, you, you know about yourself, they still wouldn't be able to get it right because you gave a wrong answer, basically. Second thing I have here is if you notice logins from different locations or devices, that's definitely an indication that your Snapchat account may have been compromised. Because if a hacker is able to guess your password or security question and answer and they log in, chances are they are not logging in from your city or your state or from inside your house, as the case may be. Um, another thing is when an account information is changed or modified. So some hackers would get into your account and then change something. So maybe they change the, the phone number associated with your account or they change the email address associated with your account. That is an indication that something is wrong with your account and you need to take action immediately. So they do this because they want to prevent the original owner from being able to log in later. So basically they want to take over the account. And another major um, prevention method is to have two-factor authentication enabled alongside a strong and unique password would also prevent hackers from getting into your account. So another indication I have here is the final one is constant re-authentication. So I think episode 30 or 31, I talked about how if you have an online banking app, every time you open the app, even if you open the app and you had to go do something else for five seconds and you come back to the app, it will tell you to log in again. So that's for security because online banking apps, health insurance apps, all those things handle sensitive information. Social media apps, on the other hand, they want to improve, they increase 
the amount of time you spend on the app so they wouldn't want you to keep logging in every time you close the app and come back to it so it's basically logged in forever i've I've had people tell me about how they don't remember their instagram password because since the day they opened the instagram maybe 10 years ago they've never had to log out or log in using their password every time they open the app the app just comes on it's maybe when they want to log in from a computer that it tells them okay you're logging in from a new location enter your password but if this happens with your Snapchat app, every time you log in, you open the app and it tells you to log in, chances are it's because someone else has your account open in another location. And now Snapchat is thinking, you can't possibly be in two places at once. So if you, the owner, want to now log in, then it's asking you for your password. So if this keeps happening to you, it's most likely that your account has been opened somewhere else by a hacker or someone else who maybe figure out figure out your password or something. So if this happens, you should try and change your password as soon as possible, enable two-factor authentication, use a strong and unique password, try not to reuse your password from other social media accounts. Try to have a unique password for each social media account, something that you cannot guess. If possible, have it in a different language other than English. So that's that's all I have for this segment on how to know or how to detect when your Snapchat account may have been compromised and the things you can do to prevent that from happening. So next up is the correlation between Increase, increases in data breaches and how organizations have begun to move their infrastructure into the cloud. A recent survey of 200 security leaders by the International Data Casting Corporation, IDC, revealed that as more organizations moved their infrastructure to the cloud, there has been a corresponding increase in um, cloud data breaches. And this is um, one of the second order effects of the pandemic that I, I like to talk about. So during the pandemic, a lot of people started working from home. And because of that, companies needed to be able to provide security for employees logging into the corporate network from their home um, Wi-Fi's. And that came as um, one of the, the the main things that made that happen was VPNs, virtual private networks, which basically sits in the cloud as a way to authenticate employees and provide like a cover, like a security blanket for employees working from home or working remotely and then connecting into the, um, into the corporate network. So 98% of the companies surveyed had experienced at least one cloud data breach in the past 18 months compared to 79% last year, and 67% experienced three or more such breaches. In addition, 63% said they had sensitive data exposed, and nearly 6 in 10 respondents considered lack of visibility and inadequate identity and access management security, IAM, as a major threat to their cloud infrastructure. So these numbers show a significant increase from 79% to 98%, almost 100% of the companies surveyed saying they have experienced at least one cloud data breach in the past 18 months, which is basically the amount of time we've all spent since the pandemic began in March of 2020 
up till now, June of 2021. 83% of organizations reported that at least one of their cloud breaches was related, related to access issues, like the VPN case I mentioned earlier, where employees tried to connect into the corporate network from their home Wi-Fi or wherever they were working from. And then that, that created access issues. And 83% of organizations reported at least one of their cloud breaches was related to those access issues. And one of the top five security priorities for organizations in the next 18 months is access, risk, and cloud infrastructure security. So the past 18 months have shown that, okay, 83% of companies had issues with access. And then looking ahead in the next 18 months, significant amount of companies um, actually putting that as a priority. They want to be able to be on top of access risk and also cloud infrastructure security. The survey also revealed that few organizations have a dedicated cloud security team. Interestingly, IT teams make most decisions regarding cloud security, but the process has become very fragmented with many job roles identified as primary decision makers for securing access in cloud infrastructure. So there's no clear cut team that is said, okay, this team is in charge of managing cloud infrastructure security. A bunch of IT teams basically just do it the way they feel it's, it's best. And if you have too many cooks cooking, then this the food is most likely not going to be sweet. I'm sure there's, there's a proverb that addresses that, what I'm trying to say in a better way. In addition, sensitive data is now frequently accessed through third-party apps IoT devices, that's Internet of Things, um, and portals created for external users, such as customers, partners, contractors, and managed service providers, MSPs. Often, these accesses bypass the corporate network, instead relying on authentication tokens or other types of verification. While organizations are eager to use those access points to increase the functionality of their cloud systems, they often neglect to secure and monitor them in the same way they have secured access from their corporate network, which then leads to major access vulnerabilities that may be completely unknown to the organization. Next up is a brief look into the recently released 2020 Global Cybersecurity Index, which is published by the United Nations International Telecommunications Union, the ITU. And it was released on Tuesday, June 29th. The United States was ranked first, while the United Kingdom and Saudi Arabia were tied for second place. Estonia ranked third. And then for fourth place, it was also a tie between South Korea, Singapore, and Spain. For fifth place, it was a tie between Russia, the United Arab Emirates, and Malaysia. And positions 6 to 10 are occupied by Lithuania, Japan, Canada, France, and India. So India came in 10th place, and they made a significant jump from last year's ranking. So last year, India was ranked 47th, and this year they were ranked 10th place. So a link to the actual report is going to be... Um, in the show notes, I'm going to include a link to that actual report in the show notes. So 
So for the final segment, I have the case of um, a highway police chase um, that started in South Carolina in the United States, um, led to a crash in the state of Georgia, a neighboring state in the United States, which then led to a prison sentence um, for cybersecurity-related crimes of COVID-19 benefits and insurance fraud. So how did this, all, all of this happen? In the early hours of Saturday, October 3rd, 2020, a vehicle sped away from law enforcement officers during an attempted traffic stop by sheriff's deputies in Jasper County, South Carolina, um, along Interstate 95, a federal highway. So the vehicle eventually crashed about 17 miles away in Pooler, Georgia, a small town um, near the border between Georgia and South Carolina and the two occupants of that vehicle were then taken into custody. So these two occupants were 43-year-old Malik Abdul Macaulay of Tampa, Florida. He was the driver, and the passenger was 41-year-old Tamisha Lachelle Brown of Dade City, Florida. So the, the man, 43-year-old, was the driver, and the woman was the passenger, 41-year-old Tamisha Brown. So both of them after this vehicle crash, because there was a traffic stop, like I mentioned, then they started fleeing from the sheriff deputies. And then, of course, a chase ensued. They eventually crashed their car. Then in the car they were driving, the, the sheriff deputies found $20,000 in cash, more than $20,000 in cash, dozens of prepaid debit cards, issued by different states' unemployment insurance funds in the names of other people, as well as several false identifications that the two of them had used. So they had debit cards in other people's names, and then they now had fake IDs in their own pictures, but different names. According to court documents, Macaulay and Brown's criminal histories spanned decades. Macaulay has... 39 prior convictions, including convictions for cocaine trafficking, um, robbery, and aggravated assault with a firearm. While Brown has 17 prior convictions that included offenses for grand theft, delivering cocaine, and aggravated child abuse. From about July to October 2020, last year, both Macaulay and Brown worked together to obtain victims' personal identifying information without those individuals' knowledge or consent, and then use that information to file fraudulent applications for unemployment assistance, including with the state of Pennsylvania. So they didn't just commit their crime in Florida or South Carolina. They were actually filing fraudulent unemployment benefits applications in Pennsylvania and other states hundreds of miles away. Um, they both posed as the fake applicants when communicating with the banks that distributed the payments. And after fraudulently obtaining bank cards preloaded with more than $130,000 in unemployment insurance funds, Brown and Macaulay traveled to various ATM machines in Pennsylvania, withdrawing thousands of dollars in the process. They were both sentenced to five years in prison after pleading guilty to conspiracy to commit various offenses, including mail fraud, wire fraud, bank fraud, disaster relief fraud, and access device fraud. 
the U.S. District Court Judge William T. Moore Jr. also ordered them, each of them, to pay $137,195 in restitution to the state of Pennsylvania and to serve three years of supervised release after completing their prison terms. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the U.S. Secret Service, and the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Inspector General, with the assistance of the Pula Police Department, Port Wentworth Police Department, and the Georgia State Patrol, investigated the case. It was prosecuted for the United States by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of Georgia. So um, I want to add that please um, re- report COVID-19 fraud hoarding or price gouging to the National Center for Disaster Fraud's National Hotline at 866-720-5721 or go to their website at justice.gov forward slash disaster complaint form. I'm also going to post this information on the show notes for this episode. So that's all I have for today's episode of The Beat Picture. The production, editing, fact-checking, audio engineering, and graphic design were done by yours truly, Bidemiologunde. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity topics, news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can all learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe to The Beat Picture on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast from. Please share the show with anyone you think might benefit from it. And for questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send me an email at bdmeatthebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast or... um. Leave a five-star review if you think this podcast deserves it on Apple Podcast. It will really help to promote the podcast. Thank you for your time and see you on the next episode. Bye for now.